Hey, hey, Black Tribers, Gary Black in Colorado, doing my time, um, helping with my dad and our nephews and nieces, uh, getting some doctor checkups, got my Colorado's driver's license, got to go vote, getting a lot of stuff done, and I'm excited I miss my wife, going to be back down in Georgia on uh, on Friday and back to G42 in our leadership school. Hey, just want to thank you guys for being a part of our podcast and what we're doing in life. Um, you can always find out more about us at GaryandLisaBlack.com and obviously our Patreon.com slash GaryandLisaBlack uh, that we're building out with video and exclusive content and such. Hey, today, I just want to dive into a little bit of spiritual parenting spiritual fathers and mothers and inheritance and what is inheritance you know one of the things um, we teach a lot about is your own children your natural children uh, you know you raise them uh, it says in proverbs you raise a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he will not depart from me and when you know when michael died i had a lot of people criticize me that we didn't raise him properly uh, because he's gone and he died uh, we lost him when he was 19 in 2013, which, of course, I wanted to punch him in the face. I didn't agree with that uh, assessment at all. Uh, what I do love about that is when they are old, it says. So what we do is we train our children to look to the father, not to us. You know, my, my 18-year-old Noah has has really been trained well to always look to the father. Um, now, he doesn't do it perfectly, and he doesn't do it every single time. But he definitely goes to the father uh, when he's making major decisions. And, um, and that's how we're to train our natural children. And then it says that we need to have spiritual children. I love Paul and Timothy's um, relationship. You know, they weren't a natural father and son. But uh, Paul and Timothy had a really strong relationship. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And we're going to talk about what it looks like and what, what a spiritual parent uh, gives to their spiritual sons and daughters. And let me just say this right up front. And I've said this many times. Uh, look, you don't want to call yourself a spiritual parent. Uh, I, I do have hundreds. We do have Lisa and I hundreds of spiritual children around the planet, uh, Swaziland, Africa to Spain to all over the, the world. Uh, but that's after years of sowing into somebody's life, allowing them to sow back into yours that's after a relationship being tested and tried over time. And when you call yourself a spiritual parent or a spiritual father or mother too quickly, all that's about is your ego. You're just trying to feed your ego. And, uh, and we're not about that. I'm not about legacy. I don't believe legacy is all about ego. I don't need to leave a legacy. I don't need to leave a financial inheritance. I need to leave an inherit a spiritual inheritance to my sons and daughters, because when we die, guys, we're forgotten. The name Gary Black will not carry on. <laughs> it doesn't need to carry on. And in fact, I don't even want it to. I want my sons and daughters, natural and spiritual, to go way beyond me, a double portion, if you will, of anything that God's given me to do. I want to demonstrate that. I want to say what Mark says. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to be able to say that with integrity and with life, with no hiddenness, no hidden sin, uh, whatever we would call sin in my life, uh, so that I'm, I, I'm just, I, I live a vulnerable, um, transparent 
life. And where our authority is built, guys, is when nobody's looking. What do we do when nobody's watching? And again, it's not perfection. When Jesus says, "When you know, be perfect as I am perfect, he wasn't talking that you need to be perfect. You can't be. What he was saying is God sees us already as perfect. And when he looks at us, he's not trying to get us to come to heaven or to the throne room. He wants us to live through heaven and through the throne room now and bring heaven to earth now. And so uh, inheritance, let's just chat about it for just a second. I love um, it, it, the, the biblical definition of inheritance is a legal. Legal inheritance refers to actual property or goods received after a fam, family member's death. But while Jewish inheritance customs were linked to family bloodlines, Greek and Roman laws also provided for the dispensation of family possessions through the adoption of an heir. The scriptures, however, transformed the concept of inheritance to include the acquisition of spiritual blessings and promises from God. And we could dive way into this. The Old Testament um, inheritance is talked about over 200 times. Um, most frequently in Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Psalms. And, you know, Jewish inheritance laws were specific and complete. If you look at Numbers 27, 8 through 11, um, and they, they reference to what it was specifically there. But almost all the references to inheritance in the Old Testament are theological, not legal. So it's, it's about a inheritance of, of from the Father, an inheritance of spirit, um, not of a legal substance. And so in the theological sense, to inherit means to receive an irre irrevocable gift with an emphasis on the special relationship between the benefactor and the recipients. So unlike legal inheritance, the benefactor, God, doesn't ever die, right? It's, it's eternal. Yet he provides material and spiritual blessings for his people. So remember, guys, it's always both and. It's never just one or the other. And so when I'm talking spiritual inheritance and i am talking that there is an inheritance that says leave an inheritance to your children and so my inheritance from my dad is not financial but it is that he is doing his kingdom work with these special needs nephews and nieces of mine and 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 when he goes when my dad passes i'm it in our little family our our, our five that we were my dad my mom my brother and sister my mom my brother and my sister have all passed away in the last couple few years um, and dad will at some point, he's 81 now. And so I'm going to take on a uh, kingdom inheritance. He left me one with Africa. That's why we moved to Africa. Uh, my father planted 2,200 churches uh, that became 2,200 churches in Africa as a businessman when I was a kid. And he'd bring Africans back to live with us. And I took the first, my, I took an African, I'll never forget, Patrick Akumu from Kenya, we took him up to a drive-thru at McDonald's and the box talked to take our order. And he literally jumped out of the car. He thought it was a demon. He'd never seen that before. And so I've had some incredible experiences that have given me a spiritual inheritance from my mom and my dad that I want to give my own children, but I also want to give it to thousands of others. I have a, a buddy, John McAllister in Oklahoma City who really got me going on the heart stuff that I teach on few, a few years back. And uh, he's been discipled by a, a older man um, just in a beautiful way on the heart, but he'll walk you through your heart chambers. 
It'll walk you into your heart. You'll see the bottom, the bottom floor of my heart is handprints of every life that I've had the opportunity to touch. And again, guys, in my younger years, in my Rock the Nations times, it wasn't always pure. It was religious. I, I messed up uh, um, a bunch of times. I, 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 I lied to a generation um, about uh, heaven and hell and what it is actually about and what it looks like. And I've had to learn through the years, through humility, through the rock falling on me, a lot of uh, you know our deaths and different things, um, to really study scripture, really understand who the audience is. And why we do what we do. And so the uh, the New Testament inheritance is awesome. I mean, we could just keep going on and on. There's three major dominant uses in the New Testament around Abraham, Christ, and us. And the, and so when, in Hebrews 11, 8, it broadens it. Romans 4, 13, you can just keep reading about inheritance. It's powerful. But what is it? So throughout the New Testament, a striking promise for believers is simply the inheritance, in quotes, it's called. Acts 20, 32, Acts 26, 18, Ephesians 1, 14, Ephesians 1, 18, Colossians 3, 24. Generally, the promise refers to the possession of salvation, Right, The believer's inheritance is described more specifically as an eternal and joyful existence with God. That's Hebrews 1.14. Let me say that again. The believer's inheritance is described more specifically as eternal and joyful existence with God. When Jesus says, I give you eternal life, that wasn't you going to heaven and living forever. That was you doing what the Father asked you to do. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing or hear the Father doing. And that's what he's saying of us. I want you to only do what I do. Jesus is the best theology. So it's not about escaping planet Earth one day and just by the skin of our teeth getting out of here and watch everyone else being murdered. This is about bringing heaven to earth every day. You'll hear me say that thousands and thousands of times. All right. So the believers are promised an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's all kept in heaven for us, it says in 1 Peter 1 4. Inheriting the world to come is a guarantee for all of us that belong to God's family. And guys, guess what? All God's about is getting his family back. And he just wants us to help him do that, not evangelize people in a space of fear that you're going to go to hell one day, but of an evangelism of transformation. See, I'm a big believer. We don't need revival. We are revival. We don't even need a big reformation, right? We've had many of those and they all come and go because we try to keep them going in our own natural existence after God moves in the spirit and does something really awesome and wild. Um, man gets a hold of it and ruins it somehow. What we're after is transformation. I want to see hearts transformed so much that love just oozes from them life when God speaks, life happens. When we speak, life happens. That's transformation. And, uh, and I posted today, wounded people wound people. 
transform people, transform people. So the reason why I struggle with my sin issues, the reason why I'm limited and weak and all the things that I am as an ordinary man is so that I can learn how to overcome those things with the father. He's the supernatural partner. I'm the natural partner. And as we overcome and are transformed by our pain and transformed by our mistakes, then we can actually go help others transform in the same way. I gain authority by overcoming and transforming. I hope that makes sense. The Bible is really clear that inheriting eternal life is synonymous with entering the kingdom. Right? We're going to, we bring the kingdom now. We're, We're living in eternal life now. We're not waiting one day to do that. That's awesome. All right. I want to jump into this father's mother spiritual um, realm, 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 18. 2 Timothy 2, 2 is the best verse, I think, for this. It says, you know, pass this on to reliable people. So what I'm always doing in my ministry, no matter where Lisa and I go, no matter who we're working with, is I'm always looking for reliable young people. And when I say reliable, I mean young people that maybe paid their own way through the world race or through our leadership school, G42. They, they worked and they, they built tables and sold them. They cleaned three houses and they, they, they understand what it means to work hard with their hands and they're not afraid to work. That's a rare thing in the generation. It just has not been passed along by spiritual mothers and fathers and by natural mothers and fathers. We've overcoddled and overspoiled. And there is a difference between coddling and spoiling. And the Lord spoke something to, uh, through Ted Hansen to me the other day very clearly that the generation, and I just say this as the whole church right now in America, the Western church, their souls are, are really loud and their spirits are quiet. When I try to get kids to come alive in the spirit, be led by the spirit, pray in the spirit, all these things, it's very difficult for them to grab a hold of because they've never seen it. Most of the kids never have heard Holy Spirit. 98% of every church of, of, of every sermon preached in church on Sunday morning never mentions Holy Spirit. So they don't even know they're supposed to be led by spirit. So now everybody's led by soul. Our churches are, you know, we have good messages. Man, that was a good message today. Fed our soul. Didn't transform us. Man, that was really good worship. Most of the worship songs that I listen to or hear now that are written are soulish. They're in the soul realm. And again, soul's not bad. Guys, at all. In fact, it's the foundation. Hebrews 4, we've been taught it very long. We're not supposed to get rid of all of our stuff. We're supposed to allow them to work together and, and become one and know how to manage our, our emotions, know how to manage our soul. And when my soul expresses itself, it's not bad. It's just not spirit. It's not the highest. And so we, we get great worship songs and they're, and, they're, and they're soulish. They kind of feed our soul. Like That's nice, but we're talking transformation. Okay. And this is how spiritual fathers and mothers can transform a generation because all of us have spiritual children. And I, and I got some of this information from uh, Brian Gumbel's uh, daily devotional, which I love. I listen to it every single day. Uh, I read the Bible through, through the year uh, in different versions each year. And um, this year I'm going through Brian Gumbel's uh, one year Bible. And uh, he, he presented some of this uh, in one of his devotionals throughout the year But um, Paul probably didn't have any natural children, but he had spiritual children. And he describes Timothy as my dear son in verse 2 of chapter 1. 
and he and he and he had led he led him to faith in the Lord. So he'd help, helped his heart transform into something else. Acts 16, 1 through 2, it describes that. For 15 years, Timothy had been Paul's companion and had accompanied him on his second and third missionary journeys. Romans 16, 21, 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, and Philippians 2, 19 through 20. Now, Timothy is in a position of leadership in Ephesus. Paul mentored, trained, and discipled. And I want you to get that. Discipleship is what we're about. We're not about anything else. I'm not interested in big crowds, filling arenas, doing any of the stuff if we're not doing it through discipleship and we're not plugging people into the vine, into the tree, and, and, and seeing them grow and transform into love. Paul mentored, trained, and discipled Timothy and passed wisdom onto him. He set a model and an example of how developed to actually how we're supposed to develop the next generation of leaders. Number one, we love them really well. Again, we're not there to fix them. We're there to love them. And we speak the truth in love to them, scripture says. So I don't I don't need to fix them. I need to be very honest with them as an older man and say, look, you, you go ahead and try this. In fact, one of my coaching sessions yesterday. I told one of this young men, he's going through a very hard season in his marriage. And I said, look, you, if you're numb, your wife is numb. And if your wife is numb, your children are numb. You carry that existence into your family. And so you need to pick up your sword. You need to go back to fighting in the spirit. Matthew 11, violence, right? Not a violence against people, violence against the darkness and the principalities in the cosmos, right? And then when you do that, then the rest of your family will follow that. And so we love our these these young people really, really well, just like Paul loved Timothy. And Paul described it this way. He said, the son I love so much is exactly how Paul described um, Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse 2 in the message. Paul constantly thanked God for him. Verse 3, Paul was passionate and emotional, a passionate and emotional man. When people said goodbye to him, there were often tears of emotion. I miss you a lot especially when I remember the last tearful goodbye and look forward to a joy-packed reunion. Verse four in the message. Isn't that awesome? Number two, we pray for them. So number one, we love them. Number two, we pray for them. Consistently, I become prayer. I'm always in a constant state of prayer and I'm doing it for my natural kids. I'm doing that for my spiritual kids. I'm just asking for heaven to come to earth in their lives every day and that when they wake up, May they ask the question, Father, what are we doing today? Not my will, but yours. So you pray night and day. Number three, you believe in them. A lot of this generation has never been believed in. So Paul says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandma Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. It's a generational blessing, a generational believing in them. Look, man, your grandma did this and you can do this. And we're going to break the generational curse because Jesus already did in Galatians 3. He broke the curse. So now we just need to apply that it's broken for the generations below us. And we want those curses stopped to not carry on anymore. Paul trusted Timothy with responsibility at a young age. And can I tell you what most men, no, all young men in this generation, they don't know this, but what they're looking for is responsibility. When they're given it, they'll step up and they'll do it. 
but we've coddled them and we've kept it from them. And it's time to lay responsibility on the next generation. The people who influence us are the people who believe in us. Number four, we minister to them. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse six. Previously, Paul had written, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid hands on you. That was in 1 Timothy 4.14. We've got to lay hands on the next generation. We've got to fan into flame their gifts. Tell them who they are, what their gifts are. Speak to that identity and allow them to go pour out their gifts on everyone around them. All the gifts are, guys, is, is the love language of heaven. The gifts are there for us to love people really well and really deeply. They, they may have prayed for him for a gift of evangelism or ordination to leadership in the church. It may have been to be filled with the spirit and possibly to, re, to receive the gift of speaking in tongues or prophesying. We don't know exactly what it was, but it shows the importance of prayer in, in, our, in our ministry to the next generation. This is why we lay our hands on people. For example, in the ministry time at the end of, of, of a church service, of a, of a leadership session, man, you, you just want to go lay your hands on and impart. And can I say this to young people? Be careful who you have lay hands on you. You can pick up bad stuff just like you can pick up good stuff. Make sure you know who that person is and that they've tested, they, they walk with a limp. Okay. And what I mean by that is they've been broken, not just hurt. I know a lot of hurt leaders that minister out of their hurt and their soul. You want people who are broken and in their spirit, man, and they're fully alive and they are who they are when there's 10,000 people in front of them or no one. Number, we're going to also encourage them. Timothy needed encouragement. Encouragement, guys, is like oxygen to the soul. Timothy was young. He had physical weaknesses. It says, uh, I think it was Timothy 5, like verse 20 is somewhere there, that he had frequent illnesses. And he was possibly a shy and introverted young man. Paul writes this. He said, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardness, or of craven or cringing and fawning fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. We are not cowards if we feel afraid. In fact, there can be no courage unless you are scared. Courage is doing what you are afraid to do and not allowing fear to rule your decisions. To overcome your fears, guys, and to teach the next generation, God has equipped us with Holy Spirit and with power, love, and self-discipline, he says in verse 7. We also, we need to challenge them. Guys, it's so important that you challenge the next generation to step up. Put on your big boy pants. Put on your big girl pants. Stop acting like a little child. It's time to grow up and act like a man and act like a woman. Don't despise youth, right? Timothy says it very clearly. Challenge them. Paul urged Timothy to stir up. It's about self-sufficiency in Christ, guys. To fan into flame, verse 6, the gift that he had been given. Other people can help you, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own spiritual development. Did you hear that? You have to stir yourself up. You have to fan the flames of your faith through worship, prayer, Bible study, community, whatever it takes. I wake up every morning and I pray in, in the spirit to just encourage my spirit, man, to stir myself up so that every day I'm being led by the spirit, not by my flesh or by the soul. 
We've got to trust them and guard them. So you trust them, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, Paul says. The good deposit is the gospel of which Paul had been appointed, a herald, apostle, and a teacher. Verse 11. Again, that gospel is not a gospel of getting out of hell or getting into heaven. It's a gospel of the kingdom, that we can conquer death. Jesus came and he conquered death on the cross. We can, we can transform and we can transform others. That's the gospel. It's a gospel of love. The gospel is all about Jesus, our Lord, verse 8. It's about a relationship with him. I know whom I have believed. We've been saved by grace, not because of anything that we have done. Verse 9. Jesus, our Savior, through the cross and resurrection, destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light. Verse 10. Guys, it's about immortality. It's about speaking life. When God speaks, life happens. The Old Testament prophets were about administration. Thus saith the Lord, and they administered, and their craziness was Jeremiah having to do all the crazy stuff he did and all this stuff these prophets had to do. That's like our speaking in tongues. They look like fools, and that, that's okay. You want to embarrass yourself at least one time a day and see what your heart does, what your reaction is. Paul urged Timothy not to be ashamed of their friendship, nor to be ashamed to testify about the Lord. Verse 8, they had the gospel to proclaim and to guard. Verses 9 through 14, Paul was confident that he had chosen the right person to pass it on to the next generation with the help of Holy Spirit who lives in us. Verse 14, we share with them. We join, join with me in my suffering for the gospel, Paul said to Timothy. We share life with them. We, we break bread with them. We, 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 we disciple them. We listen mostly and we speak truth and life into their spirits. And we, we invite them into in joining our, in our vulnerability and in our suffering. It's in our suffering that we're transformed. Even though Paul served God with a clear conscience, he did not escape suffering. He was in chains, verse 16. He'd been badly let down by other Christians over and over we all know that one very well. And then he says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including my two main dudes. And I can't say their names, so I'm not going to. Yet one person stood out. Don't run away from those who are suffering. Be like Onesiphorus, who Paul says, often refreshed me. It was not ashamed of my chains. Whew. Refreshing one another. Pressing in with one another, sharing in our sufferings, sharing in our blessings, not living a simple life, not keeping and hoarding our money, but being extravagant givers, being extravagant with the next generation. Lord, help us to pass on the baton to the next generation, to pray for them, love them, believe in them, minister to them, encourage them, entrust them, and share with them. Amen. God bless you guys. Man, I want you to pour out your life. If you're in your 50s and 60s and 70s and maybe even 80s, you finally have some wisdom on your life. You finally have something to pass on. I know you don't feel qualified, many of you, but I give you my word that if you'll sit and listen to a young person, just go get a cup of coffee and a piece of toast. That's called discipleship. If you'll sit and listen to a young person, if you'll sit and just Say, Father, I don't want to hear with my mind. I want to hear with my heart. And, and we listen 
And we don't think about what we're going to say next. We don't think about what we're going to say to fix them. We just simply listen. Then droplets from heaven will hit your heart. Droplets of wisdom and understanding reside in our hearts. Eternity resides in our hearts. Those are the words that are going to come out of you. And, and you're going to go, whoa, like, where is this coming from? But you're going to realize that all of life had brought you to this moment. And you're going to pass that on to the next generation. Hey, God bless every one of you. Uh, if you had any questions, any feedback on this, Gary at the black tribe.com, uh, go to our website, Gary and Lisa black.com. You'll find everything there. We're, we're signing up coaching sessions for the winter right now. They're going extremely well. A lot of prophetic utterance, a lot of insight, lots of tears and healing, lots of uh, laughter. And so make sure you, you go to Gary and Lisa black.com. If you want to sign up for a coaching session with us, Lisa's killing it. Um, we'll be back down in Georgia for the rest of the term ends uh, two days before Thanksgiving. And then we're back in Colorado and looking for a, a campus and kind of setting whole brand new things in motion that we cannot sh- wait to share with you guys soon. God bless you. Have an amazing day. 